Welcome to What's Next? Chats with American Studies alumni. I am Sandra Rath, and in this first episode, I talk to Katharina Luise Kittler. Katharina graduated with a bachelor's degree in American Studies and Political Science from the University of Leipzig in 2014 and with a master's degree in American Studies in 2016. During her studies, she attended the University of Houston as well as the Journalism Academy of the Konrad Adenauer Foundation. After graduating, she started out as a freelance journalist and worked as a political advisor for the Mittelstands- und Wirtschaftsunion of CDU-CSU for almost two years. Since March 2019, Katharina works at the American Chamber of Commerce Germany in Berlin and is currently head of communications and government relations. During the interview, Katharina really opened up about her thought process and reasoning behind professional decisions. And she also gave a lot of valuable advice for job interviews, what makes a good application, how the brain dump method can help you get organized, and knowing when sometimes you just have to relax. And without further ado, enjoy this first episode. Welcome, Katharina. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. As a founding member of our alumni association and with a very, very impressive resume, we're honored to have you as our first guest. And yeah, let's just dive right in and start at the beginning. Why did you decide to study American studies and what extracurricular activities did you participate in? Yeah, hi, hi, Sandra, and thank you for having me today. I feel very honored to be the first guest of this podcast and congratulations to launching this exciting project. <laughs> thank so, you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, when uh, when I was 14, I started um, to write for a local newspaper in my hometown, and I think that was the first time um, during my teenager years when I started to think about what do I want to do in my future. So, um, yeah, that was a very exciting time writing for this local newspaper and journalism became my passion and I was very into newspapers and especially politics. So it was very clear to me during that time that I wanted to be a journalist in the future. And then I started to think about, okay, how, how can I do this? And I began to talk to different people, especially at the newspaper at that time. And their recommendation was choose a subject and learn everything you need to know about journalism in your free time. So their approach was to be an expert in some fields. And for me, it was clear that I wanted to do something with languages and culture and history. So I was very much an arts and language person. And it was very clear at the beginning and during that time that I don't want to pursue a career in, I don't know, science or mm. um and I mean, of course, there are also journalists who are scientists and are experts in, I don't know, biology or, or any other fields. But for me, I was very sure that I wanted to go into the humanities. So um, after graduating from high school, I applied for being an au pair in the U.S. And I worked for a host family in the Boston area and took care of their kids. And at the same time, I was able to enroll in some classes at the local colleges and at the Howard University. And I decided that it's maybe a good idea when I come back to Germany that I apply for an American Studies or English Studies program so that I have a specialty in some field and at the same time pursue a career in journalism. And the au pair year in the U.S. was probably the best time I had <laughs> during the last years because it was the time after graduating from high school where I learned to be independent and um, I had some time away from my family and I had a very great host mom and she was yeah not only my host mom but became a very good friend and she very much supported me in that idea to become a journalist and choosing a subject at university that I really like. So 
yeah, after coming back from the US, I applied for different American studies programs and I was very happy that I got accepted by Leipzig University. And I started to study there. And you also asked me about my extracurricular activities. And these were, when I remember correctly, during my undergraduate studies, the American Studies Leipzig event committee. So I had a, a great time with them organizing Thanksgiving dinners and the 4th of July events. And then, as you mentioned, I was a founding member of the American Studies Leipzig Alumni Association together with my best friend Miriam, <laughs> and she's now the president of the association. And I think it was at the end of our undergraduate studies or maybe at the beginning of our master's that we decided that we need this association for the students, but of course also for all the alumni. Right. And yeah, that was the time <laughs> back then. Yeah, so basically you should have a vision or an idea of what you want and then become an expert and choose your field of study accordingly. That is something I would recommend, but of course you don't have to know that after graduating from high yeah. school. I know a lot of people who were very uncertain and unsure about what to do after being done with high school. Yeah, that's true. So I read on your resume that you received a scholarship from the Konrad Adenauer Foundation. How did this come about and what was the application process like? Yeah, so um, as, I, as I just told you, I um, decided to study American studies, but with the um, back then clear vision that I wanted to become a journalist. So I started um, to do some research. How can I do that? Are there any other programs I can apply to? Um, I also looked into the catalog of Leipzig University. If there are any other um, classes I could take in journalism or communications. And then I um, just found, I think, one afternoon and I was still with my host family in Boston when I did that, um, that I found this a journalism program by the Adenauer Foundation. And the special thing about that is that it's a program that very well fits into um, the schedule of a student at a German mm -hmm. university. So the, the journalism academy by, um, by the Adenauer Foundation um, usually takes place during semester breaks. So um, during the semester break, you take um, journalism classes, you visit different cities, um, get to know the other scholarship recipients. And um, when I did that research back then, I thought, okay, that would that is maybe something that I could do, um, studying American studies and using semester breaks for journalism classes. And the application process was complex. I had to um, collect all the written application documents they wanted to have, um, which was back then in 2010 or 2011, um, not so easy because I was in the US and, you know, the US and Germany, they have different formats <laughs> regarding mm -hmm. documents and all that. So um, I had to ask my parents um, to collect all these documents um, I had to um, hand in and then they in the first step, they wanted to have this written application, so a motivation letter, a CV, um, some recommendation letters. And then I just handed it in. And then I came back to Germany after my au pair year in, during the summer of 2011. And that was the time when I received a letter by the Adenauer Foundation and they invited me to a two-day assessment center. And that took place a few weeks um, before um, the winter semester had started back then. And this um, two-day assessment center, when I remember correctly, was mostly about um, getting to know the foundation because, you know, the Adenauer Foundation is very close to the Christian Democrats in, in Germany. So first thing you should consider if you apply is am I familiar with their values and their activities? So during this assessment center, um, we learned more about this, um, about the foundation. And then of course I had to take several tests. Um, one test was about German history and German politics. Another test was about, um, I think writing 
a news piece and writing an article because I applied for this journalism program. And then um, I had several interviews with representatives from the foundation, also with journalists, and we had a group discussion. And in that group discussion, they, of course, observed how we behaved and how we um, interacted with um, other people. And that was um, that was tough. I mean, two days and yeah, <laughs> being observed. Imagine. Yeah, being observed all the time. And um, I was um, 20 back then, so pretty young. And that was my my first um, real application process. And um, I remember that I, when I came back home um, after these these two days, and my mom asked me, "How did it go? And what is um, what is your feeling?" And I was like, "No, that was that was not <laughs> enough." <laughs> so so I was pretty pes pessimistic about it, but. Um, after I think two or three weeks, I received another letter and they accepted me. And that was very exciting. And I am still very thankful for this opportunity because the scholarship um, um, doesn't only include um, this journalism academy part, but also, of course, supporting the students financially during their studies. And that was something I'm still very, very thankful for. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of internships did you pursue during your studies and how would you rate the importance of internships for future job opportunities? Because I feel like so many job requirements these days require at least a year or more of job experience. And yeah, did you do any internships to kind of boost your resume? Yeah, um, mostly because I was um, always very interested in getting to know the quote-unquote real world mm -hmm. I was always a person who I mean I loved being a student and I loved being enrolled in the American Studies program because that was definitely the right program for me um, I loved the professors I had a great time learning so much during the lectures and seminars but at the same time I also wanted to go out in the real world and get to know the, the job market, of course. And that is why I decided to do some internships during my studies. And um, these internships were also part of my um, scholarship by the Adenauer Foundation, because this journalism program not only required to um, take these classes during semester break, but also um, do some internships, journalism internships, um, so that this um, program is not only about learning journalism on a more theoretical level, but also, um, I don't know, working at a newspaper or being a reporter for a TV station. During my bachelor's, I did three internships, um, two in, in my hometown at the local newspaper for um, which I worked when I was 14. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then I, um, I applied for another internship because when I was 14, I mainly um, wrote articles about teenage life <laughs> in my hometown. And um, six or, or seven years later, I, of course, wanted to um, get to know the whole newspaper and um, write about other topics so, yeah, I did that internship. And then um, I think one or two years later, I um, applied for an internship at a radio station because I thought it would be great to get to know another communication channel. Um, and um, that was also a great time. It, but I, I should maybe mention that as well. Um, during that internship at the radio, it became very clear to me that I don't want to work <laughs> at a radio station. So that is also yeah. a very good thing about internships, not only getting to know things you very you very much like, but also discovering maybe um, fields or um, or tasks that you don't want to do. Right. And yeah, I think um, at the end of my bachelor's um, I did another internship at a tv station in Leipzig and that was very very exciting um, it was for um, RTL and mm -hmm. um, that was something I, I was very excited about because you know everyone in, at least in Germany knows this tv station and um, yeah you you know the different um, shows they have so um, that was 
a very cool experience. And I think the last internship um, was during my master's. And that was the time when I started to think about if journalism is really the job career I want to pursue after graduating from university. And I also talked to um, some people at the Journalism Academy and they recommended that I should maybe do another internship, which is not so much focused on the journalism path, just to get to know something else. And um, yeah, I already mentioned that I'm um, very much interested in politics. So I thought, okay, I'm in Leipzig, Berlin is not so far away. Maybe I should just um, apply for an internship in Berlin and um, get to know um, the political Berlin and how politics work in, in the capital. And I applied for an internship at the German Bundestag. And um, they have different press offices. And um, yeah, that was the fourth internship, which was also very, very interesting because I got to know the other side, saying that as a journalist, you, of course, talk to the press and PR people every day, but you don't know how they work and how they're daily life looks like and that was very interesting that I was able to see how the other um, side of this relationship between mm -hmm. journalists and communications people work and of course I mean it was great to have a look behind the scenes and how politics in general work and yeah I mean you asked um, how I would rate the importance of internships um, for future job opportunities and I would definitely, definitely recommend doing internships. I know it's not always easy because I know that um, the American Studies program can be demanding and there are a lot of to-dos and um, it's hard sometimes to find time to also apply for these internships, but I can definitely recommend doing that just to I mean, as an American Studies graduate, we don't have a specific job description at the end of our studies. So um, I think it's a good idea to just explore different fields. I mean, you don't have to follow a clear vision. You can do, I don't know, an internship at a cultural institution and then a year later explore another field. That's the good thing about the humanities. There are so many possibilities. So I think um, internships are a good preparation. And you also mentioned that um, it's also important that you have something on your CV, to be honest, um, that you can um, show something and that in a job interview, you can, of course, talk about your great experience at American Studies Leipzig. And that is, as I said, very good and very important as well. But it's, um, in my opinion, um, also important that you have this practical experience. Yeah, that's true. So a community member asked, what advice would you give your BA or MA younger self now, looking back at your studies? That's a very good question. I like that question. And um, I think there are three three recommendations I would give my, my BA and MA self. Um, the first one would be try different things. Because I was, especially during my undergraduate studies, very much like in a tunnel. I really, really wanted to become a successful journalist. And um, everything I did back then was really following this vision. But as I, as I already said, um, as an American studies graduate, there are so many possibilities out there. And I think it's, it's a good recommendation to just try different things. The second one is believe in yourself. I know it sounds cheesy, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I was um, I was doing um, during my studies sometimes very unsure about the future, um, also a little afraid because it was so uncertain what will happen after graduating from university. But I, I can tell you, it will be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> Everything will will work out. And the third one is relax. And that is something I would really tell my BA and MA self because I was sometimes 
a bit stressed because I thought, okay, I have to, I have to be successful at university. Um, I have to take these journalism classes. I have to do internships. And I, um, I was really stressed sometimes. And now I think um, it's not so, so important if you, I don't know, need one or two semesters more to complete your studies. And um, yeah, I was just very ambitious during that time. And um, as I said, my semester breaks were full of internships or either taking these other classes. And now I think it's not so much about doing that all in the right time, but more about taking your time to figure out what you want to do. So yeah, believe in yourself, try different things and relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially the insecurity of, of the future, I think is something that all American studies students and alumni really can relate to. <laughs> so that's, that's a very good recommendation. So we talked about before that you were thinking about whether journalism is really for you. And so what was your professional situation like after graduation? Did you have that clear vision that you wanted to be a journalist? I think um, during that time, reality kicked in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And um, that was, um, to be honest, um, a hard time because I... Um, as I said, was very afraid of the time after graduating from university. Although I um, worked on my CV and did all these different activities, I still was afraid of the time after um, being a student. So um, I started writing applications um, already when I was still in the middle of writing my master thesis. So that was... Um, that was another thing that really stressed me out because, you know, as I, I think you know that writing a thesis is always a big project and you should really focus on that project and not any other side projects. But yeah, that's maybe who I am, that I started to write um, applications and I wrote a lot of applications, but I got very, very few feedback. And um, I think that was partly because I didn't take enough time to write good applications because I was so involved in my um, master thesis. And that would be another recommendation, really focus on completing your studies and then you can figure out um, the whole application thing. Um, so that was something um, I did. And then, um, as I said, I received um, very few feedback and that was a time when when I really had to struggle with self-doubt and um yeah I was like why why don't they get back to me I mean I um I have a great degree American studies is such a great program I'm a journalist now because I took all these classes and I did internships so I was um just very um insecure during that time um, but that was also the time um, I just said that reality kicked in and I discovered that really becoming a journalist and getting a job in journalism is not so easy. And um, that was the time when I started to, yeah, to explore other fields and started to think about, okay, are there any other um, things I, I want to do? And that was the time um, when I started to think about, okay, Uh, maybe uh, public relations, communications, marketing, because these are all related fields to journalism, because when you're a journalist and you know how journalism works and you're a good writer and a good communicator, this definitely helps you in these other fields. So during this uh, summer of 2016, and when I was finished with my master thesis, I started to apply for other jobs besides journalism. Yeah. So why did you decide to start out as a freelance journalist in the end rather than seeking employment? I um, I would say that that was um, nothing I really decided. It somehow mm -hmm. happened that way because, as I said, um, I wrote a lot of applications but um, didn't get much feedback on them. So I um, started to think about plan Bs. And mm. um, during my master's, I started working as a freelance journalist for different news outlets. And I had different clients and sold my articles. I also had very little consulting projects. So I had some, some startups in Leipzig, which needed some help and support in setting up their communication channels. So, And that was something that 
helped me to just have some more time for uh, applying for different job. But as I said, it was not not a not a clear decision. I want to become a freelance journalist. Is what it was more like. Okay, I I do that because I like working as a freelancer, but only until I get a full time job somewhere. Right. And how would you assess working as a freelancer? Um, what are pros and cons to working self-employed? Yeah, I mean, of course, there are a lot of advantages. Um, first of all, flexibility. You're your own boss. There's no one who controls you or asks how you how you do your work. And that is something I really, really appreciated during that time. Um, being my own boss, deciding when I want to work and also for whom I want to work. And of course, choosing the topics I like and choosing the clients I like was something um, which is definitely an advantage because you don't have that um, usually when you're employed somewhere. And of course, um, you can be very creative as a freelancer. You can work on many different projects. As I said, I um, at that time, sold my, my articles, but I also had very little consultation projects. And the combination of writing, consulting, and um, doing other things um, was very, yeah, very, very good at that time. But of course, there are also the disadvantages. And these disadvantages led me to just write more applications because for me, the advantages weren't enough to pursue a career as a freelancer. And these cons were, of course, uncertainty. You don't know how much money you earn every month. Then, of course, you need a network. And as a fresh graduate from university, you, of course, have a great network um, within that university complex. And maybe you know some people from your internships, but you don't have a real job-related network. And it's very hard to build that when you're um, right out of university. And another big factor is that usually freelancing also means working mostly by yourself because you don't have a team. And I um, discovered that I really like working in a team, having other people who, who can give me feedback and that we can work together on projects, that we can celebrate a success together, but also deal with challenges together. And doing that all by yourself just wasn't for me. Yeah, I understand. Um, so in 2017, you started working as a political advisor and editor for the Mittelstands- und Wirtschaftsunion. How was this application process like? I would assume that during your process of writing a lot of applications, this then came through, but could you elaborate on how your application was and what qualities, in your opinion, helped you land this job? Yeah, of course. Um, I remember that I discovered that job posting uh, within that Adenauer Foundation network. That was very helpful because um, the Journalism Academy I was part of um, had a job newsletter and I received that job newsletter on a very regular basis. And yeah, in that job newsletter, I discovered that posting. And the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, that would be that would be a good fit, because on the one hand, I could work as a political advisor, so more in the fields of public affairs, government relations. And on the other hand, they were looking for an editor for their uh, magazine mm. and That was the other 50% of the of the job description. And I thought, hey, maybe that's that's a good combination. Of course, it's not a traditional job in journalism, but it includes all the experiences and all the, the tasks a journalist does every day, meaning doing research for your articles, planning and organizing the publication process of the magazine. And I thought, okay, that would be that would be a good fit. And then, as I said, on the other hand, working as a political advisor in Berlin and getting to know um, yeah, different politicians and building a new network of um, people in Berlin. So, yeah, I thought that that could be something I would like um, to do. And then I sent them my written application documents. And um, I think besides handing in my CV and motivation letter, they also requested 
some pieces of, of work I've done so far. And that is maybe to go back to my recommendation doing doing internships during your studies. Um, that could also help you when you're asked about some projects or articles or any other proof of your work. So I was very happy that I got, to, got that together. And then they invited me for two interviews. The first one was with the CEO of the organization. And the second one was with the team. And that was also something I really much appreciated, not only having a job or interview with your future boss, but also getting to know your team. And that would also be something I would recommend to all applicants if there is any chance that you can get to know the team and the people who work for the company or the organization. Just ask during your interview if you can meet them and talk to them. So yeah, after these um, two interviews, they got back to me and made me an offer. And I was very happy and accepted that offer. Awesome. <laughs> um, so you worked uh, there for about two years. And in March 2019, you started working at the American Chamber of Commerce in Berlin. And a community member asks, how did this job opportunity come about? And to add to that, What, in your opinion, were the qualifications that helped you land this particular job? So, yeah, that um, that job was something I also discovered um, because at that time I've been working in, in Berlin, as you said, for almost two years. So that was the time when I had built or started uh, to build a network and um, I had some people in in this Berlin circle And they, one of them told me that there is an open position at MCHAM Germany. And I just had a look at the job description and I thought, okay, maybe that is my next step because at the Mittelstands- and Wirtschaftsunion, the only thing I was missing there was that there was no, no relation to American studies and working more internationally. And um, when I saw this job posting, and back then it was communications manager, I thought, okay, communication is something I love. I discovered that during my job at the Mittelstandsunion that I'm, yeah, I'm really much into communication and that I want to follow this path. But I was still looking for something where I can apply all the experience and all the knowledge I got during my studies. And that was why I applied for the job at MCHM Germany. And yeah, during that interview, I just wanted to, yeah, just wanted to, to explain to them that it's very important for me to have this connection to the US, to US politics, and at the same time working in communications. Right. So after only seven months on the job, you were promoted to head of communications. And in April 2020, You were promoted to head of communications and government relations. And how did these promotions come about? Did you apply for them or directly ask for a promotion? How do you approach these things? Um, during the, the application process at MCM Germany, my um, boss at that time told me that I would start as a communications manager, but that the communications team at that time had no supervisor, no no team lead. Um, so she told me that right at the beginning. And I know that I came back home and thought about the um, conversation I had with her. And I was like, okay, maybe I should just ask her, what is the plan? How do they want to look for a head of communications? What is their plan? Because right now, They don't have someone who can who can do the job. And at the I think um, during the second interview I had with her, I just asked, what is your plan? And are you looking for another team member who would fill this position of head of communications? Or is there any chance that I could start as a communications manager and after a certain amount of time being promoted to head of communications? And yeah, that was... Um, something I really had to push myself um, to ask that question because, yeah, I was still pretty young at that time and um, only two and a half years out of university. But I always wanted to pursue this kind of career. So for me, it was very clear that the next step would be 
finding a job that is related to American studies and then trying to 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 gain more experience in the fields of leading a team leadership and all these um, all these fields so I just asked her and she said okay thank you for offering that and we can just um, try try and see how how it works out and then I got the job offer for communications manager and I think after two or three months when I got to know the team and all the all the processes at MCHAM Germany, I had another conversation with my boss and she said, okay, I, I think you're ready for this and you can do this starting in October. And then I was, <laughs> as you say, in, in German, <laughs> thrown into the very cold water. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think I, I learned swimming pretty, pretty well and pretty fast. And um, mm. that was a very influencing time, of course, because there was a whole new kind of responsibility leading a team back then of um, three people. But at the same time, it was a great start because the team was pretty small. And then at the end of 2019, beginning of um, 2020, there was some restructuring at MCHM Germany. And yeah, my, my job, uh, my boss asked me if we could have another conversation about the future of my team and the future of the government relations team. And she told me that our executive committee had decided to merge the teams because communications and government relations are somewhat related. And they're all, I think, under the roof of public affairs, building relationships with the public, meaning with journalists and, of course, with politicians and other stakeholders in the transatlantic community. So the strategy of the executive committee was to merge the team and to being able to, to support the goals of MCM Germany and merging the team and working together more closely on certain topics totally makes sense to achieve these goals. And yeah, the head of government relations um, left MCM Germany at the beginning of 2020, at the time when the teams were being merged. And then I, I got asked again if I could head the team and then in April last year, the two teams merged. And since then, I work in that position. And it's a great, great position. And of course, an honor to have this responsibility for these six people who are in my team. And yeah, I'm very much looking forward to working together with them and yeah, working on growing together as a team and following the vision of MCM Germany. Yeah. Another community member asks, how do you manage your day now in your position that you have? And also tied with that, what are your current responsibilities? Yeah, so um, my current responsibilities are, of course, being the team lead for the communications and government relations team. So I'm just the person who they can approach if they need any decisions or recommendations and of course I have to report to our general manager and sometimes to our board members and my my other responsibilities of course include everything that is related to press work so I'm the first person who is being approached by by journalists if they have any questions so this press relations is a big part of my daily job and of course building a network in Berlin with political stakeholders so that we can represent the interests of our member companies towards politics and not only with building networks, but of course, communicating our positions and our members' interests on all our communication channels. And yeah, how do I manage my day? I think, or I, I have to say that I'm still a paper and pen person. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So um, I know I'm a I'm a digital native, but I still need paper and pen to organize my day. And every Sunday night, I sit down and just plan the week ahead of me, and that just gives me a very good feeling when I go to bed on Sunday night that I know 
what will approach me during the next week and what are the top priorities of the week. So that is something I do every Sunday. And then I'm a big fan of to-do lists. So <laughs> every day I just write down my to-do lists and sometimes it works out pretty well and I can cross off all the items on that list at the end of the day. But as you know, sometimes it's just crazy and you, <laughs> you're, not, um, you're not able to do anything that's on your list, but that's also okay. And during the last years, I just tried out different planning and organization tools. And one thing that I very much like, I don't know if you know that, is the brain dump method. So you just mm -hmm. um, have a big piece of paper and write down everything that comes to your mind that you have to do. So I especially do that when I come back from vacation and open my my email account and my inbox and discover, I don't know how many hundred emails. And then it, it can be overwhelming to find a structure and prioritize everything you have to do during the next day. So I just write down everything on that blank piece of paper. And the second step would be highlighting the different tasks with different colors and choosing different colors for the priorities and I usually have priority one, two, three. And after sorting that out, I have a clear picture of what I should start doing first. And that is something I can recommend if there are, I mean, I can also imagine that that is something you like to do during your studies when you know, okay, I have this big project of writing a master thesis and where do I start? Just write down everything that comes to your mind. I don't know, proofreading, talking to your friends about your ideas, handing in your, your expose or something. So you can just write everything down. And as soon as you have everything on that list, you can start prioritizing. And that's a very good tool for me. But mm -hmm. still, of course, I also have a digital calendar and my team has access to that calendar so they can have a look at my my week and when I'm available that is something I can also recommend when when you work together in teams that you in some uh, phases it's maybe good to share your calendar with other people so you can have this information to plan your week so it's yeah it's um it's a combination of writing a to-do list every day having my digital calendar and having a great team <laughs> who supports me and also reminds me of important things we have to do during the week. Yeah, especially the brain dump, I think is very helpful for students and alumni to stop feeling overwhelmed in a way, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so now that we've talked specifically about um, your job experience or your specific CV-related experience, I would like to ask you a couple more general questions. And the first one would be, did you ever feel like you were not able to fulfill requirements of a job or a new job or a job posting and you applied nevertheless? And if yes, how did you cope with this self-doubt and how did you overcome it? Yeah, definitely. Um, self-doubt is something that I usually experience or experience on a regular basis. We we already talked about this phase after graduating from university. I think that was the time where self-doubt was just a very big issue. But of course, always when I start a new job or start a new project, that is always something I have to deal with. But um, at the same time, I can really recommend applying for jobs or starting projects nevertheless because you you can handle the self-doubt and at the end of the day you definitely experience that the self-doubt is not something that is I don't know an obstacle but more of maybe something that you can reflect on and yeah it shouldn't it shouldn't hinder you applying for your dream job or starting that project that you always wanted to do so yeah definitely i i experience that on a regular basis and i can just recommend asking for help i know it's not easy but especially maybe including your inner circle for me that is of course my family my husband and my best friends and that is something that really really helped me when i I know that um, when I applied for the job at MCM Germany and when I started to talk to my boss about um, leading the team, 
I had many, many conversations with my husband and with friends and family about can I do that? Am I able to do that? And they were a great help and source of support during that time. And the other thing is maybe to give you self-esteem or, um, I don't know, support in, in yourself and believing in yourself is if you discover a self-doubt in, in a certain field, there's always the opportunity to get more training and to, to learn more about this field in which you feel insecure. So that is something I would really recommend because when I was asked to be the head of, of the communications team, I very honestly told my boss that I had at that time no experience in leadership and that I need some kind of training to do that job. And mm -hmm. I was very thankful that she had the same opinion on that and offered me um, a six-month training before starting that job. And that was extremely helpful. And that is also, you know, again, uh, related to asking for help, not only in your private circle, which is, of course, important as well, but also asking for help in your job and just um, talking to your supervisor if you don't know anything and are in a phase of self-doubt, just ask them for help and you can figure something out. And yeah. the, the third... I think the third thing is, for me personally, don't always try to be that perfectionist. <laughs> so it's okay if things don't work out perfectly. And I think that is closely related to self-doubt. That self-doubt can emerge because you think your work is not perfect enough. But always remind yourself that the work you hand in on a certain day is the best work you can do at that time. So don't don't yeah. always ask yourself, is that perfect enough? Because it is. At that time, it's just the most perfect thing you can do. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's a nice approach. I like that. <laughs> so how did you approach salary negotiations? And what advice would you give students and alumni for negotiating a salary? I know this is a very sensitive topic to some, but... Yeah, if you feel comfortable, it would be great if you could share your insights and advice. Yeah, of course. I think um, I think it's very important to talk about these topics because I made the experience that it's yeah not common to talk about money in our society. And it's at the same time very difficult to find people who are willing to talk about that and um, who can give you some recommendations. And for me, it was a combination of doing research in the field I applied um, for jobs or um, when I got promoted to head of communications and government relations, just doing research and trying to, to get to know the salary range and um, where I could see myself in that range. The other thing I did was, um, and I'm very thankful for that, that I have friends who are very open about these topics and that we share our experiences and how we approach salary negotiations. So my recommendation would be doing research and trying to find people who are willing to talk about that, either your friends um, or your parents or other people in your network, I think that could be very beneficial. So that would that would be something I would do in the phase of preparing for this negotiation. And the other thing is know your worth. So um, try to reflect on your experience, on your responsibilities in that job, and what you bring to the job. I mean, It makes a difference if you're a university graduate with almost no experience or if you're someone within that job market for, I don't know, 10 years. So um, yeah. that, that just makes a difference and it's okay that there are differences. Just get a feeling of where you're standing at the moment and what you can ask for. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, be open to suggestions. So after doing that research and figuring out your worth and what you can what you can offer, um, you should be or try to to be open for the suggestions your company or organization have. Sometimes they say, "Okay, we really understand that you demand this kind of salary, but for us it would be easier if we can do this. Um, I don't know." 
during the next month so that you don't get the high salary right away, but we can offer you a plan for the next month. Or I don't know, maybe they say they would offer you, I don't know, a new laptop or any other benefits. So that is something I would think about before going into the negotiations. Are there any other things that would make you happy besides the money? I mean, money is one thing, but the other thing is um, maybe they offer you a training in some fields or, as I said, a new laptop or um, any other benefits. Right. And then um, I think one thing that I would also consider is um, for I made the experience that um, with a with a certain salary, I start to um, don't feel um, comfortable anymore because I, I think that's also maybe typical for women. But we <laughs> always say, oh, can I ask for so much money and um um, I, I don't know, some some sentences like that go, go around in our heads all the time when we go into these negotiations. And my recommendation would be add a little more. So try to feel uncomfortable with the salary number, because usually during these negotiations, it goes down very, very quickly. So mm-hmm. um, try to figure out a number with which you feel a little uncomfortable. And then right. you can um, you can um, try to negotiate that in that um, uh, in that conversation with your boss or your supervisor. Mm-hmm. I have actually a little follow up question to that. Um, when do you start negotiating a salary in the first place? So is, would this happen at a job interview? Would you um, take initiative yourself and? at the end of an interview maybe to talk about salary or would this only start once you get offered a job? I think every company and every organization have a, has a different mm-hmm. approach. Sometimes when they um, when they publish a job posting, at that time they already ask uh, what kind of salary you want to have for this job and then you have to write it in your written application. Sometimes they don't do that and my suggestion would be Maybe don't start with talking about salary right um, at the beginning or in the in the first interview, because usually you have two or more interviews for a job. And that would be something I personally would not talk about in the first conversation with um, the organization or the company, because and that is the the job interview where you should focus on the company and get to know the the people who work there and the tasks you would have to do when getting this job. So that should be more focused on getting to know each other. And then maybe at the end of the first interview or in the second interview, I would approach that topic. Mm-hmm. Okay. And tied with that, How do you prepare for job interviews and what would be your advice for a successful job interview? Yeah, um, I mean, we already talked about um, many things I would recommend in this preparation process. Of course, I would do a lot of research about the company and the organization. So I would uh, visit their website, read their publications Maybe try to find people who already work there. Maybe you have some friends who work there or friends of friends who work there who can give you a contact and then you can just call them and ask them about the job posting and they can just tell you something about the company. I think that is very helpful. And when preparing for the job interview, I would focus on on three things. One thing is trying to work on an elevator pitch for yourself. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. the term elevator pitch, um, that you have 30 seconds or a minute to describe yourself and what makes you you and what makes you unique and what do you have to offer and if you can say that in 30 seconds or a minute or even less that's perfect because I made the experience that the very first question in a job interview is describe yourself <laughs> who are you <laughs> and then you you have something ready and you don't have to find the right words because this elevator pitch is in your head and you can just presented. And the second thing is that I would prepare to present some highlights of your CV. 
because usually the company or the organization is not so much interested in everything that is on your CV. They pick different parts. And the good thing is if you are the person who picks the parts, so you can highlight your CV and you're the one in, in that conversation who can lead through your CV and highlight the topics you want to talk about. So in my case, I would always choose to highlight my, my master thesis and not my bachelor thesis because this is, it's a long time ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I would um, I would talk about my master thesis or we, we also talked about my internships. I wouldn't talk about all four internships. I would highlight one or two. And I think that is something you can prepare before you have that interview. So pick out some highlights. And when they ask you the questions, can you talk about some experience that influenced your um, career or your studies? Then you can pick that and choose what you want to talk about. And um, the third recommendation would be prepare questions. That is very important because, of course, this interview is more about getting getting to know you as an applicant. But at the same time, I'm at the experience that for um, the people of the company, it's always good when they see, okay, there's someone who is also very interested in us and in our company and what we are doing. And since I, I'm now on the other side, because I usually have job interviews for my team now, and when there is someone who's well prepared, but at the end of the conversation doesn't have any questions for me or the organization, then it's, I don't know, sometimes I think I would have so many questions if I would be in that application process. And I'm sometimes a little surprised when there is no question from their side. So, yeah, I would recommend preparing some questions for them as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think everyone who took ITASK knows how to prepare an elevator pitch. So I think we're very well prepared in that sense. Yeah. So kind of tied in with this question, what pieces of advice would you give recent graduates of American studies or in general of the humanities maybe applying for their first job? Yeah, I mean, it all starts with preparing your written application. So I would recommend really taking time to write a very creative motivation letter because that is the first thing on top of your application documents, um, what the person who is responsible for HR at the company sees. And that is why I really um, would recommend taking the time to find a creative approach, not only writing, hey, my name is so-and-so and I'd like to apply for this job, but rather finding, I don't know, a good story, for example. If you apply, I don't know, for an environmental organization, you can just do some research on their recent projects and then try to, to tell this story from your perspective and what you especially liked about this project. Um, so that would be something I would recommend. And then, of course, linking your experience and what is written on your CV to the requirements of the job. So not only writing down what you have to offer, which is, of course, important and the company or organization should know that. But the next step would be linking that experience to the job requirements. For example, if you're applying at a public relations agency and they're looking for a copywriter and you have experience in, I don't know, creative writing because you did a creative writing class at university, you can mention that. And if you also did an internship, I don't know, at a history museum, I would maybe not necessarily mention that in a motivation letter. It's still on your CV, but I would really choose the specific experience you have that relate to the job you're applying to. And then another recommendation would be look at yourself like you're looking at a brand. So try to tell your personal story and try to also get some outside perspective. Ask friends or family members, how do you see me? What are some characteristics with which you would describe me? What can I write in, in that motivation letter? So mm. yeah, these would be my top recommendations. Yeah. So I saw on your Instagram page that you create vision boards at the start of every year to set your goals for that respective year. Why do you do this and how do you feel it benefits your self-development? 
Yeah, for, for me personally, the the time between end of December and beginning of January is a very special time because I always try to reflect on, on the past year and what went well and what maybe was was a challenge. I mean, especially if we talk about 2020, this mm -hmm. special year in the middle of a pandemic, there were so many challenges and I um, I had a look at my vision board, which I created at the end of 2019 to to set my goals for 2020. And um, yeah, I had a look at it again. I was like, okay, <laughs> almost nothing <laughs> worked out because a pandemic hit, but that's also okay, I think. The other thing is that it's, for me, it's just important to take some time and reflect on the past year and at the same time, try to figure out what I want to do in the upcoming year. And for me, it's very helpful to just browse through magazines and newspapers and find pictures or titles or quotes which relate to me. And then I just put them together. And the second step would be choosing a place uh, in my apartment where I see that vision board every day. So right now I'm in my office. And I'm at my desk and right on the opposite is my vision board. So every morning when I start work and now we are all working from home. So that is why the vision board also um, is at my home office. I can have a look at that board and I can see, okay, um, this part is about I want to one goal is that I drink way too much coffee and that I have to reduce my my coffee intake so i visualized that with tea and water so when i have a look at it it reminds me of okay you should go to the kitchen and get another cup of tea and i also have a another part which is more about goals that relate to my job and i think it's very helpful if you see that every day because it keeps you on track and it reminds you of your goals and what you have planned for the year yeah I think this is a really good approach for students as well as alumni really to think about what you want and plan accordingly. So our final question of this interview is a question that we will ask all our guests that will be on the podcast and that is, what's next? Where do you see yourself in five or ten years? A community member asked this, but as it is the title of this podcast, this really is the big question of the interview. Yeah, and I think it's the most difficult question yes. <laughs> at the same time. Um, of course, I really hope that in five to ten years we are not um, not still in the middle of a pandemic. I think that's the most important thing. And to be very honest with you, I don't have a plan. I don't know what will be in five to ten years. And I am a person who's very much into planning and goal setting and organizing. But 2020 really <laughs> was a big learning for me that you can plan so many things, but sometimes they just don't work out and you have to adjust to a whole different um, situation. So yeah, to be honest with you, I don't have a five or 10 year plan right now. It's just very hard to predict the future. Um, so I'm, yeah, I, I can just say that I'm very happy at my current job and I'm with MCHEM Germany for almost two years now. And I'm just looking forward to working together with my team. We have many exciting and interesting projects for 2021. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And yeah, I think it's maybe f just for me personally, not the time to have this very concrete five-year plan ahead. It's just a time where we all have to adjust to this new situation and just, yeah, just go through this pandemic and, yeah, stay healthy. I think that is very important. So if I have one goal for the next years, it would be that my uh, family and friends stay healthy. And that and hopefully, I don't know, sometime this, this year that we can meet again. And I think that is something that also helps to set goals and to create something like a five-year plan because you need that input from the outside. You need other perspectives. And that is something we we couldn't have the last months because of the pandemic. So yeah, I don't have, have a clear picture yet, but I think that will change throughout the year. And yeah, it will be an exciting few months ahead, I think. Yeah, and I think that's also very reassuring for others that 
you know, you can't really plan ahead this many years and to just let things come your way and tackle them as they come along. Yeah, okay. exactly. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this interview. And I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better guest to start off this podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing your insights and for being so open also personally. And yeah, I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you so, so much, Sandra. It was great talking to you. And um, thank you to all the listeners who are following the podcast on the different channels. And I'm very much looking forward to the next episode and supporting this project. So thank you. Thanks again to Katharina for sharing your insights and advice. I hope you liked this first episode. And if you did, it would be great if you share this podcast with your friends who might also be interested in listening. If you would like to ask questions to our next guests, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn, where we will share the next guests and give you the opportunity to ask questions through comments or direct messages. You can find all the necessary information in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.